Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Good morning and good afternoon, and welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio with your host, Tim and Julie Harris. So we have a really exciting show today. Julie and I have been preparing for the show for the past couple days. Really, I think we're going to provide a lot of you with some real insight and how to get the most from your over-the-phone prospecting. <gasps> oh, hold on. I take that word back. You said it. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Right? No, no. We didn't mean prospecting. No. We no. meant lead, lead generation. Right, Julie? Lead generation. Yes. I feel better already. Oh. Yes, it feels so much safer, doesn't it? We don't want to say prospecting no matter what. That's too scary. Scary. (laughs) All right, sorry. So Julie and I are fully caffeinated, obviously. So Julie, before we get to today's topic, which I think a lot of these guys, even those who are seasoned over-the-phone prospectors, I mean lead generators, even those guys are going to really, I think, have their eyes opened to some of the new ways that are working to really generate great amounts of listing business primarily from over-the-phone lead generation prospecting. But before we get to that, Julie, I always like to start out every call with what I'm going to start calling Julie's Coaching Corner. So Julie's (laughs) Coaching Corner, what's happened in the world of your coaching schedule, a story you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure. I have a great story today that actually plays right into our topic, the very – timely prospecting slash lead generation topic. And I was on a coaching call with one of my clients in Sacramento, and I was talking to her about her last week's homework, which was to pursue expireds. And we had some specific direction on that, not just, you know, think about getting started to possibly maybe call them, but to set at least one expired appointment. Well, I was asking her how that went. This was the accountability part of the call. And she proceeded to try and convince me that first there weren't any expireds. So I had her walk over to her MLS and pull up the expireds. Okay, we actually have expireds. I said, tell me about expired number one. And she looked at it and she said, oh, that one, I I wouldn't go after that because it was just on the market for one day. They put it in the MLS and they took it right out. And so they must not be serious. I said, okay, so let's talk about expired number two. Well, expired number two, oh, I know that neighborhood and that's really overpriced. So you know, I don't know that I'd want to list that. And you can imagine how the excuses continued to tumble from her mouth. So sometimes I like to see just how many excuses my clients can come up with. You know, that way they sort of blow them out of the call because I believe in not recycling excuses. Once you've used one, you don't get to use it again. So I like to get them or out of the way. Not, at least not on a call with you. <laughs> at least, right, exactly. <laughs> right, so... I had then asked her, you know, to think about all of these stories she was making up in her head and all of these great reasons why she wasn't going to call them and asked her if they if we had any evidence that any of that was true. So, all right, it's on the day on the market one day and off the, the next. So, so what? Maybe they took it off the market cuz they decided they hated the listing agent that they thought they were going to use. Hmm, that might be a good expired to call. You know, maybe you know, the other Julie, one was overpriced because it should have been a short sale, which she knows how to handle. The point is, stop making up stories in your head about what you think is going on with a client, a prospect, or a property. 
Well, I really get down to the heart of it. I mean, it's great that you were telling a story today that has basically focused on, you know, lead generation, proactive lead generation, exactly. getting picking up the phone and actually doing something to create your own business because that's going to be the topic of today's call. And I have to say, Julie, when we got back, when we got into the business, really, if you wanted to sort of not actually learn any, have any skill, learn any skill, lead generate, you know, if you wanted to basically essentially just wait for the business to come to you because really at the end of the day that's what it comes down to it comes down to waiting for the business to come to you versus going out and getting the business and the people that know how to go out and get the business themselves will always and forever make i mean the incomes won't even compare to be honest with you but i remember when you and i got in the business if you wanted to basically be a waiter opposed to going out and get uh, getting the business you had to do open houses maybe you did direct mail postcards it's really before the Internet. You know, the Internet really, I think the consumer Internet really started kicking in around, what, 95, 96? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we bought our URL, timandjulieharris.com, back then, so it's a really ancient URL in the world of the Internet. But really, at the end of the day, back then, there weren't all these different places that you can buy leads. And on the surface, it sounds like, well, heck, that's great. I have all, as a realtor, I have all these great places I can buy leads from. Except if you do the math on it, you're really making more money per hour if you know, frankly, if you'd work at Walmart, because if you take into account <laughs> right. how much you're paying for that lead, and guys, here I got I got a little secret for you, and it should just be common sense. Leads are going to get more expensive because there's so many of you have, that have become so dependent on buying leads. And yes, I'm talking about buying buyer leads primarily, buying buyer leads from the big listing portals, the ones that aren't Realtor.com. They've, a lot of you have built your businesses, or at least you think you have, around the concept of being able to always buy buyer leads from Zillow, let's say, for example. And maybe depending on your goals, that's a good place to start. But what happens if Zillow decides to start charging a referral fee opposing, uh, opposed to their current revenue model where there's a premier agent model where you get so many exposed, you know, basically how the ads work now, a version of pay-per-click. What happens if all of a sudden you have to start paying a 25%, a 30%, a 40% referral fee, and then you figure in the cost of the broker split and your actual cost of doing business? Then you're making nothing. And, you know, if you don't think that can happen, ask any of our friends who worked for years with the big relocation companies and <laughs> ask them how mind. long. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, I mean, Julie, talk about that. Relocation leads, guys, here's a little insight for you. Relocation leads used to be, so you'd have these big relocation companies back when, you know, frankly, there was a lot of companies that were paying for their executives to be moved around. And relocation leads were, I would say when Julie got into the business, Julie and I got into the business, were great source of business because you'd have to pay 20 or 25% referral fee. But what happened is more agents got into the got real estate licenses and more agents learned about relocation companies. Then we're not talking about REO companies here. We're talking about relo companies. A lot of you don't even know who the relocation companies exist because a lot of the big ones, Sendent and all the others, they don't do as much relo as they used to because corporations aren't doing as much moving around of executives. And if they are, they're not covering the cost for their relocating employees at the same level as they were, say, 20 years ago. But anyway, moving forward. So what happened was is these relocation companies, they started upping their fee. And I believe now that for you to take a relocation lead, it's something like close to 40%, and that's before you pay your broker split. 43% is the top. Yeah, 43% is okay. the, probably the worst I've heard, but that is before you pay your broker split. And some brokerages, of course, take their 6 or 8% off the top, and then you get your split. So at the end of the day, your net is like $12 or something. So, guys, Nothing. do you really, do you honestly believe, guys, that there's going to be uh, a situation where the 
portals, these big syndicators that are selling you leads now, do you really believe that they're not going to at some point switch to a referral fee model? If you were them, you would. If I were them, I would. It makes more sense. You make more money. So, you know, guys, wake up to the fact that if you're not going to learn how to proactively lead generate, the probability of you having any kind of long-lasting career in this industry diminishes dramatically. If any of you want to argue with us, if any of you want to debate what we're talking about so far on today's radio show or any of the previous radio shows we've done, hey, I'm going to tell you right now how to call in. So here's the call-in information. You're listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris. So, Julie, some of the headlines have been catching my attention lately in the, our tiny little real estate world. Some of them in particular that I find interesting was, first of all, the Mortgage Debt Relief Act. So, I talked about this yesterday, and we talk about this often here at the university. It absolutely positively must be extended, and it absolutely positively will be extended. Um, Congress had – I'm going to sound like I'm one of those political TV shows – but Congress had it in their wheelhouse, and it was part of the, uh, another piece of legislation, and it looked like it was going to get passed the first week in January and made retroactive. Well, guess what? It didn't because, well, you know, D.C. works so well. So now what's happened is it's going to be in the Senate uh, – the Senate's um, – tennis court and they are promising to get it passed uh there's a lot of there's going to be a written statement that's going to come out about this very soon but if you were if you're following the extension of the mortgage debt relief act really uh it's going to happen sooner than later and and it, when it does it'll be made retroactive so if you don't know what the mortgage debt relief act is and it's basically a summary of it is is that any of the money that would be normally let's say for example during a short sale or a foreclosure that the bank would lose Technically, according to current IRS regulation, that income, or rather that loss, would be treated as income, and you'd be sent a 1099, and you'd have to pay regular income tax on it. So if, you, if your uh, house went into foreclosure, and the house sold at foreclosure auction for $100,000 less than it was owed, you would get a 1099 for at least the amount of money that the bank lost at the foreclosure auction. And then if you are, say, for example, in the 27% tax bracket or whatever, then you'd owe $27,000. Now, I'm not an accountant or a CPA or, or whatnot, but needless to say, that would be quite an interesting turn of events for the poor homeowner who just more or less had to forfeit or lost their home due to it being underwater and maybe a large extent situations not in their control. So that is the Mortgage Debt Relief Act. President Bush back in 07 made it so that uh, owners who were essentially insolvent, I'm sorry, owners who lost the house in situations of short sale or foreclosure wouldn't be charged uh, the taxes. And that's been going, an extension that has happened on that every year for the past few years. And then, as I just stated, the politicians in D.C. are dragging their feet on getting an extension passed again. But it will get extended. It has to happen. Otherwise, you're going to have all these owners that are losing their houses to foreclosure and short sale. In states like Florida, it's still half the owners are underwater. Inland California, half the owners are underwater. Guys, please, please, please do not fool yourself to think that this housing recovery is anything but fragile. You know, we're all talking about the improving housing market. 
But we're talking an improving housing market off really crappy numbers. So the markets were terrible historically over the past few years. And so anytime they improve off terrible and they just get less bad, we celebrate it. But it's still nowhere near where it needs to be. So be clear on that. Now, another headline, Julie, and this is something I want to talk with you about briefly, um, because it really is an interesting perennial topic in real estate, real estate teams. You know, that's something that people are talking about again, and it's funny. <laughs> people are talking about real estate teams again because they're feeling more stable in their real estate businesses because they think that the market's strong again so they can start adding overhead. Uh, so, Julie, I mean, talk to the listeners about your experience coaching people that want to have teams or have teams. And, and you know what? Let's take the absolute 100% stone-cold honest approach to this and tell people the truth about real estate teams. Sure. Well, so the truth about real estate teams is that, by and large, teams, especially big teams, are not profitable. Why? Because the cost to run the machinery of the team, the payroll, the commissions, the splits, the stuff you have to have to support your team, computers, office space, showing coordinators, transaction coordinators, it sucks the life out of your revenue. So most well, teams are not, not leading with revenue. Not Go profitable ahead. for whom, Julie? Not profitable the, for whom? Well, the team leader, who, whose right. mission was to delegate everything and walk away with all the money. And so many of you are getting into the business. Of, of, here, so I'm going to cut through all the Mickey Mouse. And this is not – what we're saying now is absolutely positively not politically correct in the real estate world. Teams, for the most part, are inefficient and really very, very poorly managed and a horrible way for you to try to actually make net revenue in real estate. And the simple fact is, is a lot of you are great salespeople. In order for you to run a successful team, which is in essence a small business, you're going to have to learn to be a great manager. You did not get into real estate, and you did not become successful at real estate because you were, let's be honest, a great manager of people. You got a great, you are successful because you are a great salesperson. People like you. You're, you're good at all the things that matter. Chances are you're thinking about adding staff and adding a team because you think it's the only way for you to increase your revenue. And you know what? In a lot of ways, you are correct. It will in most cases, increase your revenue. So when you go to the real estate conferences, you're going to be able to brag about the zillions of houses you sold and the, how you went from $62 million to $100 million and all these other types of things. You'll be able to say, and people will say, wow, you're incredible. They'll stand in line. They might even ask for your autograph and have their pictures taken with you. All these things will happen. But what won't happen in most cases, the amount of money that you put in your pocket every year will not increase precipitously. In other words, you might increase your revenue by a hundred or $300,000, but you won't increase your net by the same amount because of the inefficiencies that are inherent with building a business, opposed to you staying focused on what you're really good at. Should you add staff? Yes. When should you add staff? When you can afford it. Don't add staff before you can actually pay well, for it. Well, hang on, Tim. When you can afford it consistently, month in and month out, even if there's a blizzard outside. That's right. You know, Julie, I'll tell you the other thing that kind of, you know, again, taboo to say this out loud, but it's true. A lot of the teams, the, the con- first of all, teams in that concept have been around for more than 20 years. That's not a new idea. Buyer agents and staff and listing agents, that's been around for probably 30 years. Howard Brenton was probably the first person that you really started shining the light on a lot of the top producers around the country forming teams. So that's not a big deal. So don't be so impressed by that, first of all. Second of all, who does the team really benefit? The argument goes the team benefits the consumer. That's kind of one way that people present it. 
But that's not really true. Because what happens in essence is you're taking somebody who, generally speaking, is not going to be as good as you, and you're putting them in front of your customer, expecting them to have the same experience. You're expecting that customer to want to do business with you again after they've done business with one of your lackeys. Oh, by the way, when that buyer agent quits and wants to start their own team, who does that customer go with? These are the realities of it. It just makes sense. But the other reason I personally think that the team model is still around is because it benefits, in a large extent, the brokers. They, what, and, and what happens is if you have 10 agents and they all want to form teams, and each of those agents need to add five licensees to their teams in order to build, build, build their big teams and all that, what happens is the agents, who should be out listing properties, by the way, are now putting themselves in the position of having to be recruiters to build their teams. So normally a broker would have to go out there and find agents to join the brokerage, but no, they have figured out because they've sold the agents on the idea that you need to have a team to be successful into building teams and thus adding licensees to their office. The more licensees in most real estate models nowadays, the more licensees that are in, the more licensee fees get paid. And even when Julie and I were at Remax, we did have a staff. There's no question we had a team working for us. That's how I could tell you how the numbers actually work. This isn't hypothetical. This is actually from experience. So we would add a buyer's agent to the team. And this is back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And when we added a buyer's agent, we'd have to pay the broker, what, another four or $500. And so, of course, the broker wanted us to have a team because he made more money, and we ended up doing the recruiting for him. You know, and this is even more true now that REMAX isn't 100% anymore. So, you know, it's 90-10, or depending on how long you've been with REMAX. So, guys, come on, screw your heads on straight. Why are you in business? What is your product? Julie, what is, if you're a real estate practice, that's it. Right? No, that's good. Right? I mean, that's the bottom line. Did you get into business? My my product is taking care of people and, you know, just holding their hand and doing a really good job as a professional real estate advisor. Well, all those things are necessary in order for you to have a profit, guys. But here's really an interesting thing for you to really consider. Really, really think, drill down on this idea. When you got into the business, you got into the business hopefully because you were playing and making a lot of money. And let's say you were really successful. Now, remember, this is speaking from experience because Jules and I, we sold over 100 houses our first year. Granted, it was 20 years ago, but really the ways that you do it then are essentially the ways that you do it now. So we sold over 100 houses our first year. We were then, without really knowing it, we were, you know, agents, we were, National Association of Realtors was, they did a story on us that we are remaxed, did all these, we, then we went on a speaking circuit, we wrote a book, we did all these things back when essentially Julie and I were sophomores and juniors in our real estate careers. That's, that's a fact. And what happened was, is we for a while forgot why we got into real estate. We started being so addicted to all the attention. Oh, Tim and Julie, I'll pay you $5,000 to fly down to Biloxi to speak to my office for a day. You know, all these types of things started coming our way into the point where basically we almost took an entire year off just to essentially go around the country and speak. And then Julie and I had this little epiphany. Hey, this is not why we got in the business. We got in the business to make money, to buy rental properties, to somehow, some way, someday be wealthy. And then we stopped doing all of that Mickey Mouse because we realized what was happening was our egos were taking over. We were starting to exchange the adulation of people thinking we were so great with profit. That's what happens with so many of you. You become successful. You start making a lot of money, and you want the world to acknowledge your success. The world doesn't need to know about your success. Keep your head down. Stay at work. Stay focused. Invest your money. And one day you'll wake up one day, and you will be rich. 
the having you don't have to pass through the fiery burning gates of ego in order to get to the other side of it. Just learn from other people. The most successful realtors in our business, you don't know who they are because they just work. And then they invest their money. And then you drive past a huge building when you're in Manhattan and you find out it's owned by a realtor and the building's worth like $40 million. And you've never heard their name before. Guys, there are two different schools of thought. You have to be really clear in why you're in this business. You're in this business, hopefully, to make profit so you can build wealth. Someday you can be financially free. So, Julie, before we get to today's topic, um, we're going to take another real quick break here, letting other, everyone know how they can go about reaching us if they want to call into the show. You're listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Are you ready to ask Tim and Julie your toughest real estate sales, business, or lead generation question? Call us now at 347-857-1195 or email your question to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Now, back to Tim and Julie Harris. So, Julie, one of our favorite topics, no doubt, and we're going to call it as it is, okay? So we're taking our politically correct um, hats off. We're, ta- we're going to focus on really giving you the best information we can. So everyone who's listening, and I realize it's hundreds if not thousands of you when you include the replay lessons, if you continue to listen to today's show, it's because you've given us permission to be direct with you, and you've given us permission to be 100% honest with you. So if you find yourself being offended, if you find yourself being challenged or being angered, that should be a learning moment for you to stop and say, why do I feel this way? Oh, it's probably because I'm resisting the point that Tim or Julie just said, and I should know that that's probably an area that I need to be focusing on. Whatever you're resisting the most, whatever you resist will persist. And wherever, if we say a point today, which you immediately find offensive or challenging or where your response is, that's not for me, it is for you, you need to get over it, and you need to learn it, and you need to master it to move your business and your personal life forward. So, Julie, today's topic, certainly one of my favorite topics. Go ahead. Over the phone prospecting. Uh-oh. Over the phone prospecting. How can we possibly be talking about over the phone prospecting in 2014? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. <laughs> over the phone. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, here's the thing. Would you rather have virtually zero expense in lead generation, or would you rather keep throwing money at the wall and praying to the real estate gods and maybe lucking out that a AAA listing or buyer calls you? Which is going to be more efficient and more predictable and duplicatable? Now, over-the-phone prospecting, more challenging? Absolutely. It's not that challenging to write a check or to you know, give somebody your credit card number and pray to the real estate gods that whatever you think you invested in might possibly work out at some level. That's a lot easier than actually having the skill, the discipline, the patience, all the learning involved to actually become a predictable, duplicatable prospector, lead generator. But in fact, it is the most critical, most important skill you can have as somebody who claims to be a top-producing real estate professional. Or claims to want to be a top-producing real estate professional. So here's the thought for you guys. and Just really think about this because it's so easy to – fall prey again to the idea of buying leads. I'm going to make something really clear. So let's say, for example, you decide you want to go fishing. Now, I've never been fishing before, but I've you know, channel surfed enough to see the fishing shows. 
So you decide you want to go fishing. Now, you can, for example, decide to get a fishing boat. Buy a fishing boat with a fishing computer or a fish you know, finder or whatever they're called, right? Fish so you're, you're, then go, you're then going to do some homework, and you're going to find out the lakes in your area that have the most kind of fish that you want to buy, or I'm sorry, that you want to catch. So here you are in a situation where you're deciding to go fishing. You're going to uh, know where to drop your boat. You're going to have all the right equipment on your boat to find the fish. The fish are, you know, you're going to have all the best rods and the reels and the nets and the whatever the heck else you need to go. I suppose a six-pack of beer is mandatory, too. I really have no idea. I've never fished before. Okay. So then you're going to drop your boat in the lake. You're going to do exactly what the computer tells you to do. So then you can go to where the fish are in the lake, and then you're going to drop your hook in the water. Oh, big surprise when you catch fish. Stop there for a second. Everything I just said sounds logical, doesn't it? Everything I just said just makes sense. Now, it did require some effort. It did require you to research what lake to go to. It did require you to probably know what boat to buy and what you know fishing computer to buy and what rod and reel to buy and what brand of beer to buy maybe even. So you did have to do some homework prior to going fishing, but you catch fish. And here's the beauty of it. Because you now know how to catch fish, you catch fish day in and day out. Whenever you go fishing, you come back with fish. Isn't that the point of going fishing? Otherwise, you're just going boating. So that's how you have to think if you're going to be successful at this or any other business versus the person who says, hey, Julie, you want to go fishing today? And then you go out of the backyard, you get a tree branch, you get a string, you get a hook, and then you go to whatever the nearest body of water is, not knowing whether there's any fish there or not. And then you sit there on the shore hoping and praying that somehow magically some fish is going to grab hold of your hook and you're going to be able to pull a fish in. You do this day in and day out, hoping and praying and swearing up and down that it's going to work. Your way is going to work. You've got a special you know, willow tree branch that's supposedly going to be great for catching fish. Supposedly the hook that you're using that you made from an old clothesline or you know, hanger is going to work, or you guys get the idea. Versus the first guy who researched it, who knew where he was going, to knew, knew what he was doing, knew what to do when he got a, you know, a bite on the hook, versus the second guy that's just sitting there on the edge of the lake waiting for something magically to happen. That's the difference. First guy is somebody who is an over-the-phone prospector, someone who is smart enough to go to where the fish are, versus the second guy who, frankly, is 99% of all the agents out there. No professional business person would ever go about doing business the way that most of you guys do business. Nobody would, because they would go broke. And yet, and yet, how many of you right now are buying buyer leads? How many of you right now are doing things that are completely passive, like sitting on the edge of that lake, expecting somehow magically the fish to find you? It doesn't work that way. So let's move this analogy, if you will, slightly forward. You now have in front of you a 1,000 people in a room. You're on stage in front of a 1,000 people. Don't get nervous. We're not going to stay on stage long, so don't start visualizing that. So there's a 1,000 people in the room, and you're going to say, excuse me, those of you who have to sell your house now, would you please raise your hand, and then would you please stand, and the rest of you can leave. 1,000 people, you'd find roughly maybe 150 people would then be standing, and the rest of the people would walk out of the room. Those are the people you talk to. Versus speaking to a 1,000 people, hoping that somehow magically, at random, you're going to find the 150 in that group of 1,000 that want to do business with you. Again, 
it's the difference between taking an organized, logical business approach to finding the business versus essentially just casting and hoping and praying magically that someone's going to want to do business with you. Do you guys get it? Do you see how insane it is that so many of us think that all this passive stuff is going to work? Do you see how nutty it is that so many of us spend all this money on all these crazy passive, maybe they'll find me, maybe they won't type things, and then we're surprised when not only do we run out of money and get out of the business, but we run out of money and get out of the business in a lot of debt, which unfortunately is what's happening. People get into this business now, and they think they have to invest fifteen or $20,000 to get the real estate practice going. No, you don't. All you got to do is invest in yourself and your skills. So, Julie, is, is anything else comes to mind with my little stories there? Well, one way is much more long-lasting. You know, I've got a handful of my private coaching clients who are in coaching because their spouse was relocated to a new market, and all they've got is their prospecting. They don't have past clients in their new market. They don't have centers of influence built in their new market. They don't have built-in referral systems. They have to prospect because their family had to move. So this is an example of had they had strong prospecting skills prior to the move, they would be freaking out less right now. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because you can take somebody who is pro- strong. Well, let's be honest. You don't even have to have strong prospecting skills. Mediocre, okay average prospecting <laughs> skills. Yeah, well, it's, because the fact is, is you can be successful at it if you're just average at it because your competition is not even going to do it. So at the end of the day, right. if you're just in the action of doing it, you're going to be successful at it. Um, but, yeah, you can take, and we've had numbers, uh, numerous coaching clients where you can, you know, like normally people think, well, I, had, I can't move from, say, Ohio to, you know, someplace warm where there isn't, you know, snow squalls in front of my front door every day. You know, I wanted to move to Florida. I want to move to, you know, the Bahamas, or I want to move to Grand Cayman, or I want to move to, well, it doesn't matter where. I can't move there because I don't have an established market. I'd have to do all this marketing. People don't know my name. I have no brand there. It's all a bunch of crap because all you've got to do is if you learn how to over-the-phone prospect, once you have average skills with that, I can take you and I can drop you any place in the world, Australia, England, Italy, um, not Germany, any place basically that runs real estate similar to the way the United States does, Canada, um, and you will be successful because you've learned the skills that in order to go after expires, go after FISBOs, and all the other things we're going to talk about today. So just ask yourself, how would you feel right now if you knew that whenever you chose to, you can drop your boat, you can drop your fishing gear, you can drop your, everything on that lake, and you can buy, here goes again with the buy, you can gather enough fish for you to essentially feed yourself and your family for as long as you choose to. Matter of fact, you can gather enough fish that you could sell the excess fish that you have and, you know, start building some wealth. So please embrace the concept that we're talking about. If you find yourself rejecting it because it is over-the-phone prospecting, because it is going to require you picking up the phone, it is going to require you calling strangers, okay? If you're finding yourself resisting that, I would be willing to challenge all of you to take a look at your total income for last year and ask yourself, is my fear of doing what Tim and Julie are asking me to do greater than my frankly, desire to earn more money this year? Would I, how much better would I feel? How much would that fear still be even in my system if I knew that I was going to make double, triple, quadruple what I've made in previous years? So if you put it in context of money, I bet you a lot of those fears just sort of evaporate. 
Another killer of people that want to learn how to over-the-phone prospect, frankly, is other realtors. Because other realtors who don't have the skills, they have never been able to move beyond the idea of buying leads. And as a result of that, if they find out that you're going to do something that they're not willing to do, do not expect them to be supportive. And that goes oftentimes, unfortunately, for your broker or office manager. So in many markets, you're going to have to be the renegade. But guess what? You'll be the one with all the commission checks, so that works out too. So, Julie, let's get to our points. And really what we're going to be drilling down on are some of the maybe better known and then some of the not known at all secrets to being a really effective over-the-phone prospector. We're not going to be talking about scripts. We're not going to be talking about presentations. We're just going to be giving you really some key critical things that most people would never consider, even seasoned veterans at over-the-phone prospecting. So, Julie, what's the first point? All right, perfect. And, you know, Tim, while we were talking about this, I also had in my mind the confidence that this builds when you have, not that this ever happens, but a deal fall apart. If you know in your heart and soul that you can recreate your next deal by picking up the phone, that makes a huge difference in your confidence as a business person. So just had to plant that seed as we get ready for these points. So point number one, use modern scripts written for today's sellers and buyers for today's market conditions. It does matter. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's nothing more to say on that point. And a lot of you are using point, uh, scripts that are outdated that, you know, they like worked really maybe 20 outdated. years ago, maybe 30 years ago. But the reality mm-hmm. of it is, is you don't talk like you used to talk. You know, the vernacular has changed. The speech patterns have changed. And yet some of you are still using scripts that you used back in the 80s or you're using scripts that somebody else used back in the 80s and they've long since retired or gotten out of business and so you found their old scripts. You think, you know, well, they work sometimes. You really got to be focusing and making sure you're updating and keeping current. It, it just it, That's something that always amazes me when I have a new coaching client who does over-the-phone prospect and I do a role play with them over for an expired or whatnot and I'm listening to them talk and listening to the script they're using. It's so painfully obvious that this is a script that's just ancient. And there's like two or three of them floating around that you guys can buy or get free on the Internet, download from um, you know, an, a website, and, and then you think, well, okay, I'm set. That's my expired script. Yeah, that's an ex- the reason my expired script is free, guys, is because it's, it's worth exactly what you're paying for it. Because it's expired, quite frankly. <laughs> it's an expired, expired script. That's I mean, right. Seriously. And, you know, so. worse than that, Tim, some of these scripts the agents have, especially the free stuff that's been around forever, you know, they they know when they read through the words that it doesn't make sense, or that a seller would that it just wouldn't work. They are you know they're not stupid, right? And because of that, they know that they're never going to say that, which causes them to not prospect. Well, so you're getting so to a it, point it's a, that it's, you know bad. <laughs> you're getting you're, uh, you know what? I'm going to modify your your second point or your third point, Julie, sure. since you just brought that up. So, guys, another thing a lot of you believe that in order to be an effective over the phone prospector, that you have to memorize somebody else's scripts. We talk about this all the time because we know it's such a bad, stupid, horrible thing to tell an agent. You must memorize my scripts exactly. Verbatim. Do not change my scripts. Don't bother memorizing them, please. You know. Here's the thing. Scripts are essentially an outline to a pattern of speech that's going to help you accomplish the goal for the seller and the goal for you, obviously getting the house listed and sold. So you're supposed to internalize, not memorize, and then you're supposed to personalize the scripts, even ours. Don't try to memorize. Memorization is going to be a forever procrastination of essentially exactly. – you. 
Yeah, so don't bother. That's what it causes. Don't bother. It causes you to not prospect because you haven't memorized it, because you think you're supposed to memorize it, because you're not perfect at it, so you don't pick up the phone. Exactly. How's that working out? It's not. Let's get to the next point. Okay, point number two. Do leave a short to-the-point message if you hit voicemail when you're prospecting. Otherwise, how do they know you're reaching out to them? Not a long, drawn-out, you know, 15-paragraph type elaborate razzle-dazzle message. No. Just let, depending on who you're calling, what type of lead it is, let them know who you are, why you're calling, and ask them to return your call if they still have to buy or sell, depending on the lead. That's it. But yes, of course, leave messages. Point number three. Point number three. Begin with following up. It should say lead follow-up. Sorry about that typo. I'll fix that. Begin with your lead follow-up for 20 minutes on your most likely to set appointments. There it is, lead follow-up. This will get you in the right mindset for being on the phone and being effective. So in other words, she break means the beginning, ice. She means your, begin, your, yeah. begin your scheduled lead follow-up uh, day, and we're going to talk about the best days to do it in a second, with, uh, I'm sorry, your over-the-phone prospecting. Start with lead follow-up because those are going to be the easiest calls to get, and chances are you will set an appointment, and that's going to give you confidence when you're starting to call some of the more challenging exactly. for sale by owners in FISBOs. All right, so next point, Julie. Next point is number four, best time to call. We get this question all the time. When is the best time to call? Now, my obnoxious direct answer to that is anytime you can make yourself do it, just get on the phone. But more to the point, Saturday mornings are great. Everybody's home. Weekday evenings, at least two or three week, weekday evenings per week. First and last days of the month are great, especially for expireds. Minor holidays, you know all those Monday holidays that we get. Holiday weeks off in between holidays, also anytime you're focused. So don't get obsessed with whatever, quote, the best time is. Now, that said, when I teach prospecting uh, to all, the, all of our clients, I also say please keep track. If you, let's say you're calling an expired, and yes, you hit their voicemail. So that's a victory. You've reached them. You know how to get them. But it's 10 a.m., and it's on a Tuesday. Probably they're at work, so don't call them at 10 a.m. on Wednesday. Try them Wednesday evening. Try them Tuesday evening. So keep good records, keep track, but don't be overly obsessed with what the best time to call is. You know why agents well, do so, that? It's because if you tell them that the best time is between 9 and 11 and they miss 9 and 11, there's an excuse handed to them, well, I missed the best time to call, so I can't do it till tomorrow. Well, so, and, and this is a sub-point to that one. Also, the turns of the month, the first day and the last day of the yes. month are always the best time to call, expired specifically. But, you know, here's another idea. Julie mentioned this. Saturday morning is an absolutely killer time to call because everybody's home. And generally speaking, the other, only people that call Saturday morning are going to be your friends and family. So you're going to answer the phone. Another little sub point, if you're calling into a particular area that's very area code sensitive, as a lot of areas are, I'm thinking of you guys in Orange County, for example. If you get a call from someone in 909 and you live in 949 and the realtor is then trying to get your house listed, it's an exp someone prospecting you for an expired listing, and their number begins 909 and you live in 949, you're not going to answer the phone. Nope. So you won't give you them the time of day. Be honest. <laughs> you won't. So you guys, in a lot of the countries like that, so you guys got to be cagey in how you're going about doing this. Uh, so um, another little sub-secret for you, and this is especially critical this time of year. There were a ton of listings that expired towards the end of last year that all made commitments to themselves mostly that I'll put my house for sale in the spring. It's the spring. Call all those old leads. So go back, 
go into the systems that we're going to tell you about in a second that go into the MLS. There are great systems out there. There's a number of them now. They go into the MLS. They check to see if the house got relisted. They find the phone number for you. Some of them have auto dialers where they'll dial the phone number for you. Use our skips and prospect them. So what's the next point, Julie? All right, Tim. So the next point is number five. five. Actually use scripts and commit to never winging it internalize and personalize as you go earn while you learn realize that you don't have to be perfect at this to earn while you learn the best agents got all their experience by learning on the road so pick up the phone and use actual scripts point number six that's right okay so we're going to take a little quick break before we get to our uh, next point Everyone knows that real estate coaching can be expensive. Most coaching companies charge $1,000 a month and demand that you sign a long-term, ball-and-chain, 12-month contract. But what if there was a proven system that gave you the essentials to almost guarantee your real estate success? The marketing and lead generation systems, centers of influence and past client systems, business systems, scripts, and presentations, everything you need to dominate your real estate market. Real Estate Coaching Essentials is that system, and it's affordable for every agent who's ready to take their business to the next level. For a limited time, Tim and Julie Harris are offering this award-winning program for only $197 a month. You can enroll right now and receive the first seven days for free. That's right. Enroll today and take the next seven days to have complete access to everything you need to build a successful real estate business. Get started today at agentcoachingsecrets.com. Again, that's agentcoachingsecrets.com. All right, we are back. So again, agentcoachingsecrets.com, one of the, well, a big part of that coaching program is teaching you guys how to be the Navy SEALs of over-the-phone prospecting, using some of the tips and techniques that we're sharing with you today, but also using our exclusive scripts. And these are not the same rehash scripts that so many of you have been using for years. Jules, let's get to the next point so we can cover as many of these on today's radio show as possible. Perfect. Now this one needs to be highlighted in whatever bright color ink you have tattooed on your forehead. One of the most important points of our list today we want you to have appointment obsession versus having contactitis. What does that mean? The amount of contacts you make matters less than the amount of appointments you make. Focus more on appointments than contacts made. Some of you are just making contacts so you can say that you made 20 contacts today. That's not what this is about. It's about setting an appointment daily. If that's your third call, good for you. That's fantastic. Point number seven, Tim. Well, you know what? Going back to that one for a second, Julie, what is a contact? Well, how well, can we the define definition contact? Of a contact? Sure, that makes sense. The definition of a contact is a conversation about real estate with a decision-making adult. <laughs> now, does a contact just have to be over the phone? No, absolutely not. It's even better if it's in person. That's right. It's more powerful. Uh, you know, <laughs> some of you guys are coming to real estate as you're entering as, you know, basically you're new Americans. You have heavy accents, but you do have incredible work ethic. I'll say that for sure. A lot of the 
a lot of the students we have that weren't born in the United States have come to the United States to seize the American dream, and they do not have a sense of, uh-oh, entitlement. Remember I told you at the top of the call, if you're offended by anything I said, or Julie said that you are supposed to sort of think about why you're offended. But a lot of the, um, the best realtors that we see emerging across the country are ones that are first or second generation Americans, and they are willing to work their butts off. And if you have a really strong accent, over-the-phone prospecting is probably going to be more of a challenge for you unless, say, for example, you are Chinese, and let's say you're working and selling in a particular area of California maybe where there's a lot of Chinese folks, and you're going to be calling into them, and you're going to be prospecting using your native tongue versus calling and having a heavy accent where the people who are answering the phone might not want to talk with you because they can't understand you. In those particular situations, here's an idea for you. Go to the door. Knock on the door. Knock on the doors of these expires and these for sale by owners. Trust me when I tell you that Americans will admire your work ethic. They will admire your energy and enthusiasm. They will admire the fact that you are willing to knock on the door. And don't be surprised when they tell you that nobody else did. Don't be surprised when the for sale by owner says, you know, I've had that sign in my front yard for two weeks now. And aside from a few flaky buyers and a couple flaky investors, you're the first realtor to come visit me. That is how it happens. And that's when you all of a sudden have the light bulb go off in your head where you say to yourself, huh, you know what? This is easier than I thought it was. And then you start making lots and lots of money. You guys just need these tiny little epiphanies to happen, and then your life changes. So, Julie, we're on point number seven. Who to prospect? Who to prospect? Who to prospect? Well, there's a long list, but go ahead. Okay, well, so who to prospect? You have the expired listings. We talked about that a second ago. Old expireds or even older expireds. We have the for sale by owners. We have the for rent by owners. We have the notice of defaults. We have the BPOs that you've done. So a lot of you have been doing BPOs for a long time, and you need to continue doing BPOs for a long time. Go back and find out how many of those have been listed. Find out if those sellers who you were doing the BPOs on their houses, they were probably doing them for a sake of a loan mod that now hasn't worked out. So now they're going to have to sell it as a short sale. Guys, be aggressive on this. We talked about this yesterday when we talked about creating your own inventory. Older assignments from Green River, and maybe you were doing assignments for titanium. What happened to all those assignments that you did? Curious, isn't it? I bet at least a handful of those that you did were, are going to be ready to list their houses now. You have builders. Builders are a ready supply of listings, provide you essentially attach yourself to a builder. We, again, talked a lot about that on yesterday's radio show, so I don't want to rehash that today. House flippers, flippers and builders and developers are all going to want the same thing. They're all, and you can strike deals like this with them. I will bring you a house to flip, or I will bring you a parcel to build on, or I will bring you a buyer for one of your existing projects, provided that you list your next property with me. Or if I bring you a parcel and you do a subdivision on it, I get all those listings. Those are the types of relationships that once you have established a few, give you the, really the, the foundation for your business going forward. All right, so what else do we have? We have centers of influence and past clients, of course. Just listed and just sold. Investors, so a lot of these investors that you guys have been selling these houses to are going to, be start, are going to start to dump them this year. There's no doubt that's what's going to happen, especially some of the Wall Street guys. Open house leads, networking contacts, and that can from B, be from BNI. That can be from a number of different sources. Professional contacts. All, and, again, professional contacts can be realtors uh, from different cities, different states, uh, people that you know that might be attorneys that are working with underwater companies, title companies, there's really an endless list of professional contacts that you might be able to go after. We're not going to be able to give you the scripts and talk too much more about all these different 
of attracting that business to you from all those different sources and a lot more. That is part of the Real Estate Coaching Essentials program, um, and we need to get to point number eight. And that is, Julie? Point number eight, don't sell with blah, blah, blah. Sell with powerful scripted questions that lead to setting an appointment. The goal is not to razzle-dazzle the prospect or to overcome objections, especially on the phone. The goal is to pre-qualify by asking good questions, the prospect, and set an appointment. Save up your best blah, 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 for lack of a better term, your, your best salesmanship for when you're actually in the door. Okay, so what is Julie saying? When you are prospecting an expired or a FISBO or any of these other sources, again, your job is to A, get them on the phone, B, essentially find out if they're motivated to still sell, and then set the appointment. I'm going to say it again. Obviously, make the effort, get them on the phone, use our scripts, pre-qualify them. You'll get all that information. Find out if they're a have to or want to. And then from there, you're going to set the appointment. Do not, and this is a critical error that so many of you make, do not have a conversation with them about anything else. When they bring up, what are you going to do to sell the house? When they bring up how, you know, any of the other objections that might be coming up on that phone call, Mr. Seller, I appreciate you asking that question. That will be the first thing we talk about when I see you today at 4 o'clock or next Wednesday at 4 o'clock, whatever the time the appointment's set for. Do not overcome objections when you're setting the appointment. When you're over the phone prospecting, your goal is to pre-qualify and set the appointment. Nothing else. You do anything else. You're talking yourself out of an appointment nine times out of ten. When they say, my agent didn't sell my last house, and some of you are going to be so tempted to bash the other agent, I guarantee you every time you make that mistake, you're talking yourself out of the listing. Are you listening? Are you actually going to pay attention and apply some of the knowledge that you're learning today on today's radio show? Julie, the next uh, point? Next point is number nine. Call the most motivated, what we call spokes or sources, First, during your prospecting sessions, let me give you an example. It's pretty easy to burn through 20, even 50 just listed, just sold calls during today's prospecting session. That way you can get your contacts in, right? But how effective is that really? You might as well door knock all 200 people in your neighborhood. That would probably be more effective. Yes, you can burn through certain types of contacts, but the point is to set appointments. So if you have an hour today, should you do just listed and just sold, or should you call 10 expireds? Which is more likely to actually give you an appointment? Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about that. This goes back to the whole fishing analogy. Where are the fish? How are you actually going to capture the fish? Guys, this is a very simple system for you to follow. Everything that we're teaching you as part of the Real Estate Coaching Essentials Program, and when you become our private coaching clients, is going to walk you through all the little micro steps and get you really good at the skills necessary. So let's say you've tried over-the-phone prospecting before. And Julie, get ready for the next point, please, my dear. Let's say you've tried over-the-phone prospecting before. You tried it a few years ago. And let's say their typical experience would be ring, ring, hello, and then the typical script that most of you are using is, hello, Mr. Seller, this is you know, Bill from ABC Realty. I'm sure you figured out by now that your home has come up on our computer as an expired listing, and I was calling to see when do you plan listing with the right agent for the job of selling your home. Sound familiar, everyone? All right. And then the seller is going to say what? Not interested. Decided not to sell. Decided to rent the house, burn the house down. I'm going to make the house into a brothel. I'm going to make it do a bed and breakfast. I'm going to doesn't matter. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? 
And then what a yep. lot of you do is you, is you say, oh, okay, and then you just go to the next question. Where in the seller's mind, he's thinking, hey, jerk, I just told you I didn't want to sell the house. And then at that point, you lose the appointment. Okay? Sound familiar to all of you who are listening right now using that script? I'm sure it does. So I'm going to give you right now an, a, a way to overcome that uh, little point where most of you are losing that opportunity. Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact that you've decided to rent the house, but let me ask you a real quick question. By the way, this script is copyrighted by Julian Ice, so please do not steal it. Okay? So this is a copyrighted script. If I see this in print anywhere else, um, you know, that would be bad for you. So, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact that you decide not to sell the house and you, want to just, and you want to rent the property, but let me ask you a real quick question. If there were a buyer who wanted to purchase your house at your price, close around your schedule, had no inspection issues, no appraisal issues, Mr. Seller, their financing was totally approved. In other words, this is the buyer that you've been hoping for. Mr. Seller, I'm sure you'd at least consider selling the house to him, wouldn't you? Now think about that for a second. Um, you, well, <laughs> sure, I'd, I'd at least consider it. That's right, and that's what happens. So the seller then is stuck with, yeah, sure, do you have a buyer like that? And then you say, Mr. Seller, I very, very well might have a buyer like that. I'd have to see the house before uh, to know for sure. So let me ask you, if this buyer were to purchase your house, Mr. Seller, where would you go next? Well, we're moving to Arizona. Arizona, that's exciting. So listen, I'm going to be in your area, okay? Then you go into pre-qualifying. You see, I'm not, I don't have time today on this radio show to get into this any more deep, but you guys can see the techniques that we teach you to over-the-phone prospect are different than what you're going to learn everywhere else because guess what? We did it. <laughs> Our <laughs> makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this right, also I, I goes right back to point number one, which is use modern scripts, right? A lot of you guys just lock up and melt down and throw the lead out if somebody t- tells you that they're trying a loan mod. Because oh, that's Julie, not in your here. script from 1973. Go ahead, Tim. Julie, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at our notes. We have, like, another <laughs> dozen points that we're I not going to be able to get to. Too many. But, you know, here's yeah. my favorite one. Hello, this is a business call. <laughs> right? It gets me right? Okay. How yeah. many of you call your centers of influence and past clients your mother, your aunt, your grandma, <laughs> right. your brother, and you're starting out with, okay, listen, I don't want to talk to you about anything you want to talk about. I just want to basically get business from you. So don't, do yeah, not tell me about me. your 10 to 9. People and, love that. Yeah, do not tell me about the weather. Let's just focus on now. This is an inside joke for those of you who know I'm talking about. You're laughing yourselves because you know you've been told to use that script, and you're stunned and amazed when not only does it not work, but you've just pissed off half your friends and family because you tried to use it. Yeah, so no use wonder you don't trust it. Honestly. That's right. All right, so Julie, for the sake of time, and I realize that we're yeah. leaving a whole. You know what we'll have to do? Is, oh my God, how we'll many points did you have, two. woman? Yeah, we're gonna have to do a well, part. And we're only getting. Really, we only literally covered the first 10 points of Julie's 10 points. So, Julie, let's do – and, Tim, our producer, I know you're listening. Let's do a continuation of this call, uh, this radio show on Monday. All right, Julie, point number 10, and then that will be the last point of today's show. Yes. How do I get phone numbers? Well, the first thing is I want you to have the revelation that for sale by owners and for rent by owners, advertise their phone numbers. So start there. Super easy. They're handing it to you. I look at it as a call for help. The rest – for expireds, et cetera, use either the Red X, uh, Lead Senders, Warnox, Land Voice, Vulcan 7. There are tons of companies out there. They're not very expensive to use, and they make you far more efficient. And, the, you know, point number 11, because this is quick, door knock the ones without phone numbers. That's a blessing from the real estate gods that nobody else has their phone numbers. 
I'm going to give you guys a little side point here, uh, and then I know we're, we have to wrap. Um, there are lead senders in particular, I believe, now has an auto-dialer set up. And I've heard from a lot of my students, and I know Julie has, these are our personal coaching students, that they're having great success with lead senders who are now able to really, really go deep and get phone numbers. So the way these, I, again, I'm not, we have no business relationship with any of these companies, guys. You're going to have to go and research it yourself. Julie, rattle the names off those companies again. Uh, lead senders, you've got Warnox, uh, Land Voice, Vulcan 7, and the Red X. And I'm sure that there's probably okay. a handful more. Yeah. There were a handful of others, too. So what they do is they sync up with your MOS. They go into your MOS every day. They check to see what's expired. They find out then if it's been relisted. They'll then research and get a phone number for you. Now, the problem is then a lot of times that the phone numbers that, uh, you know, most people now only have a cell phone number. They don't have a hard line anymore. But the, I believe Lead Senders is actually able to somehow get cell phone numbers, which is pretty cool, too. Um, so in any event, guys, here's the bottom line. You have to open your mind up to the fact that you need to improve your skills. You need to learn how to generate your own business. How confident, how really incredibly powerful would you feel right now if you knew you can sit down at any time, put a headset on your head, grab our scripts, start calling expires, and set a listing appointment a day? How would that make you feel? You know, some of you are going to feel overwhelmed, but you know what? Nice problem to have, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right, so we're going to pick this. We're going to pick this topic up on Monday. Um, you guys all have a wonderful weekend, and please listen to this last little short commercial. And we really appreciate you listening. And thanks for helping us get our listenership up over to 2,000 people in just two weeks. Help us by spreading the word. Please share the news about today's radio show with at least two other people that you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone knows that real estate coaching can be expensive. Most coaching companies charge $1,000 a month and demand that you sign a long-term, ball-and-chain, 12-month contract. But what if there was a proven system that gave you the essentials to almost guarantee your real estate success? The marketing and lead generation systems, centers of influence and past client systems, business systems, scripts, and presentations, everything you need to dominate your real estate market. Real Estate Coaching Essentials is that system, and it's affordable for every agent who's ready to take their business to the next level. For a limited time, Tim and Julie Harris are offering this award-winning program for only $197 a month. You can enroll right now and receive the first seven days for free. That's right. Enroll today and take the next seven days to have complete access to everything you need to build a successful real estate business. Get started today at agentcoachingsecrets.com. Again, that's agentcoachingsecrets.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.